What's up, fandom? I'm Josh, and today I have a very special guest. I have Martha Wells on the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was a terrible way. I, I should have been like this. I should have, like, you know, motioned for you to come in. But, you know, uh, that's 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 what happens when we do it live. Um, <laughs> we just, just we go, fly off, uh, fly with the seat of our pants. Um, but Martha, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Oh, no problem at all. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna talk. You are you are a fantastic author. Um, I I personally I started reading your stuff. Um, actually, first uh, I I started listening to the Murderbot Diaries. I had a free uh, um, little Audible subs like a uh, subscription. I was like, you know what? I've got a credit. Let's go ahead and you know find something. And I was like surfing through Twitter, and I kept seeing a bunch of like art for like the Murderbot Diaries. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it seems pretty cool. It's like an Android watching soap operas. I'm like, okay, not knowing anything about it. I'm like, this sounds pretty cool. And then I found out it was a book and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's let's try the first one, uh, Fell in Love. And then I've read all the way up to, um, I just finished, it's the one right before Network Effect. It was uh, Extra Strategy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just finished Exit Strategy this weekend, so I I'm I'm good there. And conveniently, Network Effect was on sale today, so yeah. <laughs> I purchased that for Kindle, and I was like, oh, well, this is perfect timing. So, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So Martha, uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself for some of our you know listeners who may not know a lot. I've actually been a writer for a long, long time. My first novel came out from Tor Books in 1993. Um, it was The Element of Fire. It was fantasy. And I mostly have written fantasy for, uh, I don't know how many long, 27 years. I don't know, something like that. Um, I've had a couple of different series. The Fall of Ilrian was the first one, which was kind of more historical, sort of secondary world fantasy. Um, you know, based on uh, historical places. Um, the second one was uh, the um, the books of the Raxura, which was secondary world, but uh, all alien characters uh, in a very uh, kind of lush, strange, fancy world. And I've done a, a few media tie-ins. I've done a Star Wars novel, and I've done uh, two Stargate Atlantis novels. Shout out uh, to Stargate Atlantis. Yes, I okay, love real it. quick, were, were, did, did you like working more on the Stargate novels or the Star Wars novel? The Stargate. Dang straight, Definitely. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they, they you have a lot more latitude with those and um, to kind of do whatever story you want and um, and you can make, you know, improper jokes and that kind of thing and 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 you know, make it like it like the show is basically. You can you uh, can so literally be like, you know what? Let's go ahead and put uh, McKay and Beckett together. Just for one, you never know. We can do whatever we want. It's crazy. It's a book. Maybe not that far. But <laughs> I never. I didn't. I, I didn't try because I was so surprised at the stuff that I was getting. I put in some some really kind of um, um, uh, innuendo ish jokes, thinking that they would ask me to take them out, and they didn't. There you basically, go. the only restriction was not to kill off characters that were alive in the show, which I thought was kind of obvious. But um, uh, yeah, that was that was the only thing they mentioned. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I also did some uh, the magic story for Magic the Gathering for the Return to Dominaria um, 
sequence they did uh, a couple of years ago. And that was a lot of fun because I got to work with a world building team who, you know, uh, could answer questions and help you come up with stuff. And, and um, that was really fun. Parts of it were already outlined because they have this like years and years of story line that they, they, that they're going by. And so it had to fit in with that. And some stuff I got to make up myself, which was a lot of fun. Um, uh, real, real quick, kind of staying on the magic, like how, how did that kind of like trickle down? Did like wizards just like contact you? Like, how did they, that, how did that work? They contacted my agent and um, I can't remember now if they asked for me specifically, if they asked for me specifically, or if um, my agent suggested me, because it's happened a couple, that happened with the Star Wars novels, I actually contacted my agent to ask if she had any clients who might want to do a Star Wars novel. And with this, maybe they did. I can't remember. It's just been so much has happened since then. That was in the before times. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. Or the plagues. So my memory of that is dim, um, except I just enjoyed it an awful lot and getting to see the art and um, kind of come up with stuff to to match the the artwork. Um, how how was, different how different is that like kind of creating something based on somebody else's work? So like like not like Star Wars or even Stargate where you know these are people and you can kind of have free reign with them, but you're working on something that Wizards has and you're getting to see all this this artwork. Like how does that kind of translate from you know what you normally do? Because normally you know you're writing it all from. It's all coming from you. Yeah, you get to do anything. You, when it's your thing, you get to do anything you want. Uh, with a, any kind of property like that, um, you have to really try to um, make it to to um, basically make it fit into the canon. And you really have to try Like with uh, something performance-based like Stargate Atlantis, uh, trying to get the actors' voices right for those characters and to get the humor right and to really get the feel of the show is the important part and you want to try to you know make the you don't want to just do stuff they've done to pour you want to make it an interesting new adventure but you want to make it feel like it would fit if they filmed it it would fit in and magic the gathering is kind of the same way as you have to you have so much of the lore that you have to take into account and you and so much characterization on the Dominaria characters that had already been um, shown up in the story and, and had been around for a long time. You kind of have to make those fit into that character, characterization and think about all the things that have happened to them and how that would affect what they're doing now. And then when you um, have the new people where they'll just have like a name and maybe a sentence of description you have to try to make those characters still feel like they're magic characters and make them fit into the to the to the kind of the ambiance of the world they're in so it's a lot it can be very tricky sometimes um uh because you want to you know they're they're asking you to do it so you want to get your um your particular take on things but you also need to make it um be what the readers, you know, are expecting mm -hmm. and what they want. Um, Cause it's not fair to, to, I think kind of take it off in weird directions or anything. And, you know, the, the, the rights holder is not going to like that. And, you know, the, the, the longtime fans, that's not what I would like if I was reading one of those yeah. books from, from, you know, um, from one of my favorite shows or something. 
So, um, so that's, it can be really tricky. Um, and then you've got your, when in your compared to your original stuff where you're making up everything, but when you're doing like a book series, you're building on everything you've created. So if you want to change stuff, you have to find again, or the, you have to kind of make that fit into what you've already done. So it's um, kind of two sides of this or a different sides of the same coin, basically. Nice. Uh, sorry, I, I took us off on a tangent there. Uh, you were talking about some of your works. Yes. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. That's, I will say that is what this whole entire podcast is built on. Like we were built upon tangents. So that's our bread and butter. There was, there was talk of us rebranding the, the whole show to just call it tangents. Um, <laughs> at one point it was just like, should we just change the whole name of the show to just a tangents? Cause I mean, that's all we talk about. So well, it's fun. It's fun to go off on tangents. I do. I I I kind I tend to ramble, so I kind of do that a lot sometimes too. But um, yeah, the I was actually when I started writing Murderbot, there it was a novella, and it was just going to be one novella. And it uh, I'd been working on the Harbors of the Sun, which was the the final book in the the Raxura series, and so I was trying to make that a really good finish and put in a lot of closure on different things, and. I was towards the end, almost finished with it. And I was just getting a lot of different ideas for things. And one of those ideas was kind of a, a maybe a depressing short story about this person who was an enslaved security uh, unit that was part machine and, and had freed themselves from their governor module, but was having to hide that fact and would have to reveal it to save these people that had kind of gotten to like that it was taken care of. And it was going to be sad, short stories, a sad ending. And then I kind of started, I thought, well, I'm going to write this idea down so I don't forget it. And then I ended up doing like five pages or something of the story. And I, it was actually the part where um, Mensa knocks on the cubicle wall. I wrote that section. And I, and as soon as I finished that draft of Harbors of the Sun, I went and pulled it back up and started working on it again because I was really excited by this idea now. And I said it wasn't going to be a short story. It was going to be too long for that. So make it a novella. And I knew about the tour.com novella program or the novella line that had, I think they'd been out, the, they'd been out, a, had started up a, a, a year previously. So they'd done a few by now and maybe this would be a good fit for it and everything. And so I started working on it and I didn't really know what the ending was going to be until I got there. Um, but I just had so much fun with it. And then tour.com bought it and asked for a second novella, not necessarily in that same, not necessarily another Murderbot novella, but just a second one. And I decided to write a sequel and then finished Artificial Condition and uh, then went on and did the other, asked them if they wanted two more and they said yes and, and did that and it became a series. So none of it was planned out. It was always intended to be a novella. I know a lot of people, I keep getting people who think that I wrote a novel and then cut it up into four parts and no, that's not the way it worked. It, they were all, they were all just, that's just the way it kind of happened <laughs> yeah it just kind of happened nice um and i will say uh like i i here, here's an old sentence i used to work at walden books so uh and yeah i like i remember you know us, us doing a lot of uh really novella wise i mean not i mean we didn't like i think the, the only thing i can think of is like the harlequin 
novels yeah. that come out. That's the only like like and again, I haven't worked there since God. When did those close down? Um, that long ago. Yeah, it's been um, a long time. I used to love Walden books. Used to yeah, love I mean, you books. got that. You got your preferred readers card, and you got like fifteen percent off. I was like, yeah, good, that was yeah, a good yeah. life. Because Barnes and Noble, they were just like, no, you pay full price and maybe more because we're Barnes and <laughs> Noble. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I loved shopping there when I was a kid. Like that's where I would go and get like Pokemon cards and and stuff like that too. So like it was, it was just like the best store. store. Oh yeah, definitely. It was, it was a fantastic store. Yeah. Um. I uh, but yeah like so like that's like whenever you when you were saying novellas I was like the the only thing that was popping into my mind with this was like the Harlequin novels that we would get like every week and I remember stacking those and we had a we had a lady that would come in every Saturday to check out the new Harlequin novels oh, yeah. and that's oh yeah like and she would buy like maybe like seven eight of them every week and I'm just like what are you doing with all these books? Like, I'm I'm guessing she was donating to the library afterwards. Cause like, other than that, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. Cause I mean, like by the time like, I worked there for like two years and I'm like, you had to have bought like, like 500 of these books. Oh so, yeah. Well, what people do is they take them to use bookstores, especially oh. when they take them for credit. So you then get, um, um, you know, you can, you can either get, you know, instead of getting money, you can just pick out more books. That's so smart. Just like continually churning and getting, you know, turning the new ones in to be used and then someone else will get those. And um, yeah, because a lot of romance readers also read mystery and science fiction and fantasy and they're voracious readers. So, you know, a, a new bookstore, a used bookstore in the library are just barely enough to, you know, keep them in books. Just to feed that itch. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so, so Martha, let, let's kind of, we're going to, we're going to go back in time a bit. Um, l- growing up, like what were you, what were you into? I mean, like you're writing a lot of fantasy novels. Um, it was, was fantasy something that you were like really big into as a kid? Oh yeah. Uh, for science fiction and fantasy, both. I uh, started reading uh, science fiction and fantasy real early. Um, our public library, the children's section was right next to the science fiction fantasy section. I didn't know yep. that you were supposed ours, to stop. Ours, ours too. Like they, they put them like right next to each other. Yeah. And there's actually supposed to make a turn and go to these other shelves where the rest of the children's section was, but I just kept going and, and um, read things a lot, like a lot of Andre Norton and, and um, a lot of the, they had a kiosk of the pulps with the really, you know, um, suggestive covers and stuff that were you know really interesting to kids with the you know the monsters and you know bikini clad women and all that kind of stuff and um so I just was got I was just really into it and um as a reader and on tv um the uh there was an independent state I grew up in Fort Worth and there was an independent station that showed a lot of things like uh Land of the Giants which was my absolute favorite show and um the other Irwin Allen, you know, Lost in Space and that kind of thing. The other Irwin, nice. Allen, Irwin Allen shows. And then uh, a lot of, um, you know, the old movies and, uh, you know, Godzilla and monster movies and old science fiction movies. So I got into it really early. And I've just always been a big science fiction fantasy fan. And I actually was um, in college. I picked Texas A&M specifically because it had a science fiction and fantasy student group. and. Um, 
went there and got involved with that and was chairman of the um, the the convention that the committee ran every year and uh, which was at that time one of the biggest regional conventions in the southwest oh nice so just but you know as a i kind of always wanted to be a writer and um being able to do the fan stuff at the convention and and meet writers and listen to people talk and everything that just kind of reinforced that so you know i had always been trying to write i wrote fan fiction and everything and and um uh just kept trying until i was eventually able to write a book <laughs> and then i sold it <laughs> writing fan fiction we all did like let's that's not i mean that that's all be i did at one point uh it's it's, it's it happens it was something there's nothing to be ashamed of yeah we all, we all do it especially people i'm in my 50s so people my age a lot of women especially their fandom basically started out in sign in in fan fiction mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot more common now i think than it used to be because it, you know now you can actually find it on the internet as opposed to having to you know, just kind of run into a fanzine somewhere. And if you weren't someone who went to conventions or um, I think I found one for the first time, they had little personal ads in the back of Starlog. Oh, really? Fanzines used to advertise in there. And so if you didn't stumble on it, then you didn't, you know, you didn't find it. You kind of wrote it yourself and didn't know there was other people you could share it with. Um, And now, of course, it's on the internet and and it's very easy to find and you can find exactly what you want. And I mean, in the way, um, cause I mean, uh, when you grew up and when I grew up, we're, we're different. Um, we've there, there's, there's years apart there, but I mean, when I was growing up, like I was a Star Trek nerd and there wasn't like any of us, like I I'm from a small town in Oklahoma and it's like, yeah, no, like if you want to have any sort of, you know, star trek experience you have to basically wait until there's a star trek convention and there happened to be one every year but it was like that was it that was all you get to go to because the other than that it's like it's not going to happen i did have a friend who was also into it so it was like sweet there were two of us in the entire school but it was like yeah nobody else cared nobody else like we were just like leave us alone and so we didn't talk about it um and now it's just like the way that the world is. It's like, man, kids today, they got it so easy. They can just like find something and just be like, oh yeah, I want to watch every single episode of this. It's like, if I wanted to watch, like I happened to have like my uncle was a big, like he was really like big into sci-fi. Like they would, like he was, they were part of the ones that would put together uh, a Star Trek convention in Oklahoma. And cool. so they did like they had a bunch of stuff from like Babylon 5. They knew a bunch of people there. They knew a bunch of people from Trek. And so like he was able to get like and I've only seen them his collection, but they were like these two episodes of VHS tape of like Next Generation. And they were like the like actual not like fan made, like taped off of VCR, like actual VHSs. And I've never seen them anywhere else. He's the only person I know that has these stupid things and I want them so badly, <laughs> but like, that's the only place that I watch them. And like, and if you missed one, it's like, oh, well, there was like, there was a, there's a part where I don't like, he didn't have all of the first season into the second season. So there's a part where it's like, 
oh, he like there's there's young, you know, uh, beardless Riker. And then it like picks up like in season uh, like season two, episode five. And he's got a beard and you're like, wait, he grew that awfully quickly. It's yeah, what happened? Like, well, yeah, it's like I have no idea what's going on. Like, uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, Tasha's dead, and you're like, "Wait, what? Why is Worf here? He's <laughs> he's not in red anymore. He's in gold. What happened? And where's Tasha? Why is she a Romulan?" And it's just one of those you really like blew your mind. Like, I didn't know that Tasha died for the longest time. I it was like, oh, because like you never talk about her again. Like, yeah. she dies in one episode, and then you're just like. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, oh, I guess she got a promotion. <laughs> something <laughs> happened. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy stuff like that. So if you miss something, like it's gone forever. And now it's like, oh, you want to watch Next Gen? Oh, just pop on Netflix. It's all there. Yeah. And I was kind of the same way with Star Wars. It came out when I was 13. And there was a few Star Trek novels at that time, mm-hmm. but there were no Star Wars novels. And there'd be things like they put, there was nothing to buy at first for like the first few years, there was nothing to buy. They would put out like, you'd find like one book in the bookstore that had, you know, photos, Star Wars photos in it in some weird theme or something, you know, about maybe the special effects or something. And that was the only thing you had and you buy that. And that was your sole fan thing. And occasionally we'd get to go to, um, conventions I actually talked my parents into taking me to an armadillocon in Austin one of the very early ones where it was in a like a a small motel and the dealer's room was probably the size of a motel room when there was like four tables or something mm-hmm. but there was some Japanese Star Wars uh, promo stuff like a book of Harrison Ford's pictures and that kind of thing and it was just so exciting um so, yeah, we had to go to conventions to find anything there. You couldn't find things online. And so it's sort of I've kind of lived through that fandom age of you start with there's you and your friend making drawings and writing fanfic and giving it to each other. And then you start finding fanzines. And then very gradually you get to go to a, a, a convention or two and you see stuff there and meet other people that are into it. And then to where you, then you can buy stuff on eBay and then you can find start finding things online and then suddenly now it's like hot and cold running fandom whenever you feel like it yeah and it's such a strange thing it's like man i wish i i just can't imagine what it'd be like growing up as a young fan getting into these shows and it's just like it's all there for you spread out like a banquet all the time yeah it's 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 crazy and we, we won't go into we won't go into fans uh <laughs> just because i mean fandom now completely different from our fandoms like now it's like like the like the the dc marvel thing is insane now like i feel like the star wars star trek has kind of died it took you know years but it's it's not as crazy now it's it's all moved on to the dc and marvel and i'm kind of like good let star trek (laughs) just do its stuff let them let them continue to make more things uh (laughs) And like, let Star Wars do its thing with whoever's doing whatever they want to do over there. Um, but yeah, and, and like everyone is so passionate about their stuff now. Yeah. And like, I don't remember being like that. Like, I remember it was like, yeah, I watched a, like Star Trek all the time, but I was like, I would never fight somebody over it. Yeah, I think it's part of it is maybe because you're so inundated with it that if you have, because I know I had an obsessive personality for, I have to be careful about collecting 
fandom things. Like I'll collect photos and, and, and stuff. And, and I have to like, now that I'm older, I can kind of restrain myself, but it was in a teenager and in my twenties, it's just like, Oh, I have to have all everything of this that they put out mm. for this thing. And then you later you lose interest and you end up having to get rid of all of it. Yep. But, um, I think having it just constantly, I mean, all the time, all these things that are available kind of um, is overstimulating <laughs> sometimes. And it does cause people to get a lot more upset and obsessive about stuff than they normally would if they, if it wasn't, you know, just, just there all the time. Yeah. Like I, I've been like downsizing it. I mean, especially like moving originally from Oklahoma to California, that was a downsized move. And then moving back from California to Oklahoma as another downsized move. So like I basically got rid of 98% of like all the tchotchkes and stuff like that. Like basically all I have now is I've got art for the walls just because that really doesn't take up like floor space. Yeah. And I've got like uh, my media. So like there's books that I have uh, like autographed and like. Uh, some comics and stuff that are like autograph like that's pretty much it like I'm pretty much just on like the autograph stuff now everything else I'm like nah, I don't really need that like I, yeah. I think it's cool I would like it but it's like I don't need it and it's it, it's tough because like there's so much cool stuff out there but it's like no it's just it's literally going to sit on that shelf and not do anything whereas like this uh uh Jonathan Mawberry Rotten Rune book uh, that he was gracious enough to sign. I was like, yeah, I still read that. Like, cause it's like, it's, it's, it's got a thing, but it's like, oh, it's something that I can actually read. Um, I don't read that one because <laughs> that, that one's a display one, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, you know, it, it's just one of those. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, mess too much with, with stuff anymore. Like, cause I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm older now or I don't know. I, I like Probably. space. <laughs> yeah. And being able to do things like collect books and collect ebooks and, uh, you know, video clips and your movies and TV shows all, you know, I have everything on your laptop, basically. Exactly. Yeah. That, you know, that saves so much space and it's more, I don't know, I, I'm just getting more fun out of uh, things like that now instead of like toys. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, because I yeah. so exciting. And now oh, yeah. it's pretty to look at. And I like to look at it in the store or whatever at the convention, but you know, I don't need it need it at home. So same. Like I like I used to have like so many like Lego sets and like all like Star Wars toys and like the the four Star Trek toys that they ever made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so I got all that stuff and I'm just like yeah, it's all gone now. I, I just I give room because I'm like, I don't know. like and I, I still love Legos like as a kid, like my favorite thing to do was put together Lego sets. But I'm like, oh, these are really cool. I would love to build one of those. But then it's like, I'm not going to do any like I'm going to like get rid of it because I'm, I'm not going to keep a giant Death Star made of Legos. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it would be that would be super fun to put together. But after that, I'm like, what do I do with it? I'm going yeah, to take it apart, put it back in the box and sell it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people go through that sort of stage, yeah. but they're collecting that it, it just gets to the point. Um, yeah. It's just not there for you anymore. 
Yeah. Sad days. Uh, anyway, so Martha, uh, talking about the fandom, talking about the collecting. So like I said, tangents, we're jumping around all over the place. Um, (laughs) so here's a question that I've had, cause like we've had, um, audiobook, uh, narrators, actors on before, um, but we've never had somebody who's actually, I, I didn't ask uh uh mayberry this i should have but when you're doing so with murderbot um those are narrated by kevin r free i believe yes on audible so Mm -hmm. how did how did that happen like did tor pick kevin were 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 you given like a list of people or how did how did that kind of uh roll out it's usually when you sell um sell a manuscript uh, you can either sell audio rights to the publisher or keep them. Um, and if you, if the publisher keeps the audio rights, then they're the ones who pick the narrator. Oh. And usually if, and we kept them for all systems read oh, nice. diaries. And so they were offered to recorded books. And usually in that case, what they'll do is there's a contract with them where you'll have, they'll have to consult you about the narrator. And usually what that means is it's like, you're an author, you're not a casting person. So they'll suggest different people and um, that they think would be good. And Kevin R. Free is the first person they suggested. I went and looked at what he, the other books he had done. Uh, and it was like, he seemed perfect. Nice. So um, uh, yeah, it's like you, you kind of want to defer to their expertise. I've only kind of, uh, I've been in positions with my backlist to be able to pick the narrator. And I think in one case, I um, I did ask for them to go and look for a different person because I just didn't think the person fit. Uh, and they did. And the person they got was absolutely perfect. Nice. So, because um, sometimes you just have to, because when the casting director is picking, picking people, I'm not sure if they've had a chance to read the whole the whole book or the whole novella so um you have to kind of tell them you know what you think would would um it, it kind of work with them if you think they they they're picking you know the wrong people yeah i mean uh, and as someone who has done a lot of auditions and and recordings for audiobooks um a lot of that stuff is and i mean i i go through acx which is the audible one um, and that one's usually just like, hey, here's like a chapter, read a chapter and we'll get back to you. That's uh, so I mean, like there's there is a, a a nice catalog for a lot of people to choose from, um, which I'm guessing that's what kind of what the publisher is doing. Like they're getting, you know, a bunch of a, a nice array of people together for for you to like kind of go through. Um, yeah, that, that was one of the things like I was wondering, I was like. I, I've never asked, like, how does that work? Like, do you have any choice with that? Like, is it the, is it the publisher? But it's good to know that, you know, um, you do have a little bit of choice in that, like, if you if you keep the rights and everything. Yeah. So. It's kind of like the covers. Sometimes you, um, sometimes they, in the contract, they'll have to consult you. But again, you're not an art director. So unless you, unless you have that experience, I'm not an art director. So I honestly don't know what would be, good or not so you kind of have to defer to their experience to a certain extent but you can also kind of like suggest things and um, uh, give them ideas Uh, it's very difficult you can't pick your cover artist because generally it just depends on who they can get 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes, and, and then, and usually the art director has a much bigger um, mental file of, of different artists and who's doing what now that, that would be better for the book. So um, it's a big collaborative process. And sometimes as the author, you kind of have to just kind of go, well, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with this. <laughs> I'm going to defer to them and let them figure it out. This episode of What's Up Fandom is sponsored by Wild Bill Soda. Summertime is upon us, so why not beat the heat with some delicious craft sodas? Wild Bills has been creating unique old-fashioned sodas since 2002. Try some of their classic flavors like Rocky Mountain Root Beer, Gatling Gun Grape, Six Shooter Sarsaparilla, Bucking Birch Beer, and Blazing Black Cherry. Or taste some of their newest additions like Strawberry Cream, Blackberry, or Dr. Bills. Head over to drinkwildbills.com and use code FANDOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. You can also click the link in the description and get your starter pack today. So grab yourself a nice cold soda and support the podcast. Nice. Um, oh, uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about, like, actually a lot about the sci-fi, um, but like fantasy, like where did that kind of, uh, did, I mean, cause like they're, they're in that, you know, sort of area, like kind of close to each other, at least our library did. They kept like the sci-fi and fantasy in like one area. Um, oh, yeah. towards the back um is that is that kind of where you know yours was as well like how how did like the fantasy sort of uh come through from there um i just i don't know i just always liked both um i don't know i think my just the the, the ideas i was getting for novels were more fancy i think my first couple books were fantasy city of bones was my second novel and that was secondary world fantasy but it was also kind of on the borderline with science fiction mm-hmm. because so much of the, the, the science fiction fantasy I was reading in the seventies was a lot more. It wasn't so clearly defined. There was a period there where I think, I guess in the nineties, early two thousands, where it felt like there was this huge distinction between fantasy and science fiction and science fiction must have this and fantasy must have that. And it can never, and I grew up in the seventies where it's like you had, you know, people, you know, riding around on, you know, what are obviously alien sorts of horses and on planets with two moons and having, but having ray guns and, and, and telepathy was substituting for magic and that kind of thing. So there was kind of a really a blend of really kind of continuum there. And so that's what I kind of did with my second book. Um, and now I think that's a, I think it's kind of opened up again and the categories between science fiction and fantasy aren't quite so uh, rigid anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I tend not to like, there was a while there too with bookstores, I think when urban fantasy was really big, they were trying to separate urban fantasy out from the rest of fantasy and um, horror and science fiction. So they were in separate sections, which mm-hmm. I don't think was doing anybody any favors because usually fans of those like a little bit of everything, you know? And so you're, you know, half the time you're looking at one of them and you're not realizing there's two other sections that might have stuff you want to see. Um, so I'm glad we got past that. I think it really does all belong in the same section, including horror and, and uh, ghost stories and all that. But um yeah, I've just always kind of been um, um, a big fantasy reader. I probably like more science fiction on TV, and I don't know why that is. I guess it's just starting out with things like, you know, Land of the Giants and Lost in Space as a kid. 
Oh, I'm I'm right there. Like reading, I love reading fantasy stuff. Sci-fi is a little bit harder because, like, I think I, because I, I, yeah, kind of what you said. Like, I grew up with so much sci-fi. It's like I I really need to see the sci-fi. Like, uh, when I was growing, it was like all Raymond E. Feist. Like, I read all of his stuff so much and uh, like multiple times. And I was like, yeah, this is my this is my jam right here. Um, and talking obviously because I mean. It was Lord of the Rings. Uh, right. Who didn't read it? Um, but yeah, like it's weird because like with sci-fi, I'm just like, yeah, I got some. I've got some, you know, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek books, like stuff that I read as a kid that I was like, yeah, I really like these. But I'm like, I don't know. It's really hard now to read sci-fi, especially because I'm like, but I could just watch that. I could, I could watch that <laughs> on TV. Like they made a movie about it. I'll just watch that, and then, then no, then I'll go back. Um, well, there's a lot of really good science fiction out now is the thing I think. And, um, like ancillary justice was probably one of the big by Anne Leckie is probably mm-hmm. one of the big, um, influences on the Murderbot diaries. And I've always read science fiction too. Like, um, Phyllis Gottlieb was one of my favorite authors, science fiction authors. Um, when it was probably when I was in college, I think her work was coming out in the eighties, but yeah, there's just such a variety, and um, and I actually don't know. I was I'm I've been actually trying to think of the answer to your question. I don't think I know why I wrote fantasy for so long because I was always such a big science fiction fan too. Well, because like the science fiction, like to me, like like I I I very rare like when I was doing fan fiction, like I verily very verily very rarely wrote any sort of you know sci-fi. It was all fantasy. Just because it's like to me, like I didn't want to like mess up sci-fi because like I knew how like I knew how that stuff's supposed to work, and it's like yeah, but I don't want to get you know I don't want to mess that up because like what happens if there's a me reading it? Like fantasy, it's like oh I can just make a talking sword that you know is like super cool and stuff, or but it's like yeah, but if it's a talking ship, it's like oh you gotta you got ship rules you gotta deal with. You mean you got you got space? How does space work? Like that's a whole another thing that I'm just like yeah, but yeah. talking sword I can just say fantasy and people are like <laughs> believable. But if you're like it's science fiction, it's like but where's the science? Be like. I was a history guy growing up. Like, I don't know the science. Like, that was not my... I was history and English. Those were my fortes. The science and math, that was not. So it's like, I'm just going to stay with the fantasy part or like the fantasy fiction. Well, I think it does take you a while as a writer to realize you don't have to explain things like the warp drive or however they're getting from one play. I mean, Murderbot, that's not sort of vaguely yeah. explained because Murderbot doesn't care. I love that. That's that's one thing I love. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, they're talking about like I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that's, that doesn't bother me. I'm I'm just gonna yeah. watch the soap operas. Yeah. But yeah, it, it depends a, I think it depends a lot on the point of view of your character because think how many of us um you know at some point in elementary school, we learned how these things, electricity and all this kind of stuff worked, but then we mm-hmm. forgot it later because we just don't need that information. And so that's, and to kind of realize that's how most people operate. And even if you're in a super science future, you're not going to um, um, know the details of how everything works around you. That's why I enjoyed Stargate Atlantis so much, because I love the, um, 
the exploring strange alien places and dealing with, and they're kind of, there's a lot of, it, it kind of harked back to, again, I think a lot of things I read when I was growing up of we're using this technology we don't understand completely, but, you know, we just know that it works and we're trapped here and we have to use it. And, and that kind of stuff really appealed to me sort of so people who kind of have, you know, a 20th century experience trying to navigate this world that's so, so bizarre and so different. Um, that was always, that was kind of science fiction I liked of exploring things and kind of, you know, maybe borderline horror, scary stuff going on um, with, along with the adventure. I, I like it. Um, you, you bringing that up, uh, I, it, kind of, it reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. It's that one of the new Amazon yeah, movies. Yeah, I did see it. Yeah. Okay. I love the fact how they explain the science in that. It's like the dude asked the question, like, how come you can't just go back be to before? There was like, we don't know. We just can't do it. Like, I thought that was brilliant. I was like, was well one. done. Yeah. I was like, that's great. It's like, we don't know how it works. Like this thing is held together with like rubber bands and paper clips. Like it is MacGyvered. We have like, once it breaks, we don't know what's going to happen. Like it could destroy though. You know, like, we, who knows? Uh, I thought that was, that was brilliant. I was like, you know what? Yeah. This movie doesn't need to explain the science. It got bogged yeah. down later, but well, uh, it feel like they had the research and development thing that was so important that got eaten by the monsters. And I was like, why did, instead of bringing people from the past to fight, why don't you take your research and development people and put them in the past where it's safe? Yeah. Yeah. Get there. Yeah. Like, and yeah. It did, it, didn't make, it, it did make us go look, you know, the, we finished watching it. It's like, well, that was fun, but it was also not very good. And yeah. um, we immediately went and watched um, Edge of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The one that I can't remember. They um, live, yeah. die, repeat, I think. Is yeah, what it was they live, die, repeat, I think. They changed the name, um, but uh, which is a really good movie. <laughs> it does kind of hold together and make sense. But yeah. it's from a book, so that kind of... Um, that um, that does help sometimes. Yeah, exactly. When you have source material, because yeah, like that was my my problem with like the Tomorrow War was like the first like the first half of the film. I was like, okay, this is good. I'm I'm into it. And then it, it gets bogged down with like, because like then you get that then you get the weird like time travel issue where it's like if he leaves he doesn't get like he doesn't want to leave because if he leaves his daughter's gonna die but it's like yeah but if you leave with the stuff your daughter won't be in this time like none of this yeah, will happen so it doesn't matter so you need to go <laughs> exactly like if you don't want to see her die go now like you won't have like none of this will happen you could literally go tomorrow or today leave now and none of that like she just stops existing and you get to yeah. be with her also you know all the stuff that's going to go down so it's like you can kind of fix your future a little bit yeah and, he did not get he did not understand bill and ted needed bill and ted would have been much more helpful in that situation. yes very much so they would have they would have solved it in in really a lot easier without as many people being eaten basically. oh god so many people got there another part with Sorry. Well, I promise everyone we're going to stop talking about the Tomorrow War. But the other thing that like bugged me so much in that film, there are multiple times when there are people around with 
like trying to catch the the alien like the alien or whatever or doing something that nobody has a gun like it's just like when they're trying to catch the queen it's just a bunch of dudes with ropes and i'm like none of you guys have anything lethal the moment that the queen's like wait a sec they just have ropes you're all gonna die and it happened yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it gets frustrating yeah it's like like they do it twice i'm like once i'm like twice. okay like because then they uh at the end of the film spoilers when they're going to inject the the egg sacs like all of them are injecting the egg sacs none of them has a gun trained on anything and i'm like yeah. guys you know you're literally all from the future except for you know jk simmons every one of you have fought these things before you know exactly what they can do and you're all like okay let's just go like jab a needle and i'm like don't don't do this and, yeah, and what happens it doesn't end well clear the ship they didn't clear it. it's like no. okay you found the ship now go get everybody to come and surround it and do whatever it's like yeah it's like they didn't clear the ship they just started to like jab stuff randomly and they don't know what else yeah it exactly was, uh, i was like you know what if this is how you if this is how humanity dies i understand yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if this is our future i get it maybe we don't need to be there <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, darwinism in action. pretty much yes it's it's coming for us um so so martha what is what's next so you've got what two is it two or three more murder bots yeah, three more murder three more. bots, um, at least one novel and two novellas, probably, um, and three other books. Right now I'm working on a fantasy novel um, that um, will hopefully be finished this month and will be out uh, next year sometime, I think. I don't think they've settled on a date yet. Um, and then after the fancy novel's finished, I'm going to start, I'm going to start working on Murderbot. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a novel or a novella first. Um, and then um, maybe another fancy novel after that. Nice. Um, so here, here's, here's the question that I, I've, I've been, I wanted to ask, which probably not answerable, but... Any any future things for Murderbot? Any uh, have you had? Do you have any desire for that to kind of evolve from a book series to maybe like a, a show or well, something like that, that? Well, the rights have been uh, sold to a production company, and there they are go. working on it. Nice. Uh, they they're going to announce it if they write the i've read i've uh read the pilot script and it's really good nice um and so that's that was very exciting and the last i heard was i think back in february or march that they were trying to attach actors and were looking at then after that uh approach you know selling it to a streaming service so they were going to make an announcement because we're kind of able to talk about it, but they want to make a big announcement once they actually have it, you know, green lit and everything at a streaming service. Um, so that's ongoing, but that's, you know, that's not something I'm in charge of. Thank God. So <laughs> people, oh. yeah, people, a lot of people ask, you know, well, why don't you just make it a movie? And it's like, because I, I, I can't snap my fingers and make things. Yeah. Also, like movies are overrated. Like books make way better TV shows. Yeah, they do. Um, um, 
but yeah, I um, I would I really hope they get it done because it'll just be interesting to me to see what they do with it and how, mm-hmm. how different it is from the book. Yeah, and I mean, you you are also the creator. You'll have I'm sure you'll have some say on you know what happens. I would assume. Um, if anything, you get that executive producer credit. So I mean, that's like a win right there. I don't think I do get an executive. Really? No, I don't think I do. Um, so you just get the created by credit. That's not as cool. I mean, that's, that's still a dope credit. I mean, like, I'm not saying anything about like having a created by credits, but I mean like, yeah, but if you get two credits, maybe (laughs) like you should be like, let me direct an episode. I want to direct an episode or let you write an episode. That that. would be fun. Yeah. but Why don't you drive a race car or, (laughs) You know, you could do a, see, the screenplay for an episode, though. Uh, I don't. I see. I've never done any screenwriting, and I've oh. never done any like anything for like comics, which is a completely different, you know, medium. That's a, yeah. That's a whole animal I'll by itself. Done, you know, short stories and novels. So, I think the the learning curve on that would be pretty um, um, intense for me. Um, let's talk about something afterwards because I got I have ideas. I have ideas. Anyway, um, so we've we've got murder. We've got so we got special projects coming out. The new new fantasy. Um, very excited for those. Uh, and I'm ready to get into uh, network effect. Um, probably after we end this call, I'll probably start reading that again. I mean, so it's it's downloaded already on here. So I mean, like it's good to go. Um, but. Martha, what is one thing that you are really looking forward to? I know there was not a lot to look forward to last year and really the beginning of this year and currently this year. Um, but what is, is there something like really exciting that you're looking forward to? Um, well, hopefully if the plague doesn't get really bad or even more bad, really bad than it is, uh, we were I was going to go with my husband and some friends to Worldcon in Washington, D.C. Oh, nice. And uh, so that's what we're looking forward to right now. Um, I don't literally don't have any plans beyond that because it's been so hard to plan things. Um, We do want to, again, lots of the plans we would have would be travel, which, again, we don't know if we're going to be able to do at any time. So I hate to say I'm not looking forward to anything. (laughs) That seems really sad. Um, But things like, you know, Lower Decks is coming out. Yes. Lower Decks is starting. I'm looking forward to that a lot. I think that's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. So, like... Uh, Lower Decks tomorrow and Titans tomorrow. If you're a DC fan, Titans yeah. season four, I believe. So I haven't been watching Titans. I've been watching some. Oh, and uh, the Marvel one, the What If. The what If? Yeah, that comes. Is that, is that Friday? I think so. I think it's starting <sighs> soon. Because um, we enjoyed Loki and um, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and Division and all that. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm sounding really sad. Everything I'm really looking forward to is on my TV. <laughs> hey, that's what this <laughs> podcast kind of is. That's thing. what that's what WhatsApp fandom's all about. I like TV a lot. <laughs> and hey, it's good. Have. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the new the newest season of Murdoch Mysteries just ended. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 
I watch a lot of, uh, I watch uh, BritBox and Acorn. And the Acorn, heck yeah. All of them, you know. And so we watch watch a lot of, uh, or I watch a lot of British mysteries. I also really loved, um, I have Vicky now, which is uh, Asian streaming service. And I really loved The Untamed. That was an awesome show. It's um, Wuxia Shoshania, I think. I'm I'm massacring the pronunciation, I'm sure. Um, But Chinese fantasy and... and, um, flying sword wizards and necromancers who fall in love. Um, that sounds amazing. It like... is amazing. It's, it's 50 episodes. And at first you're like, 50 episodes seems a lot. And then you start watching it and then you're like, 50 episodes? Well, they have enough to finish the story? Yeah. Um, I, do. I, I, I watch so many K-dramas now that like, that's the majority of like, if I'm going to watch a drama, it's going to be either Korean or Chinese. Like those are that because it's just like they fit so much, like especially in an hour. Like I I watched an episode of this one one show and I was like I was trying to explain it to my friend and the amount of stuff that they can fit into one hour is insane. It's like I don't even know that a soap opera, like an American soap opera, can fit that much content into like their hour time slot. It's it's, it's insane. It, it, it's really good, and they do. They have so many characters, and mm-hmm. so much the relationships are so important to you know even the action adventure and 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 the haunted mystery ghost stories, zombie things going on, whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's so good. I started Imperial Coroner, which looks delightful in the first episode. Yeah. But I would recommend it and The Untamed is really good. And that's on Vicky? It's on V-I-K-I. And it's, you can get a free version and uh, then there's a pay version. I ended up getting the pay version because I think the, it's, it's, there's some, I think there's less commercials and it's HD and, um, but The Untamed has two sequel movies um, that you have to, that are on only on the pay version. So that was worth it for me. That's how they get you. That's that's the, that's you. the smart way to do it. I mean, like, if you're gonna, if they're going to get you, get me with more content. Yes, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's that's how you win me over. Yeah. Um, well, Martha, thank you so much for coming on. This was this was fun. Oh, this was great. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Oh, no problem at all. Uh, when when's your next book coming out? I don't know yet. It'll be sometime next year. Um, they haven't, uh, I haven't turned it in yet. So I don't think they settled on an actual date until I, I turn it in. They actually, have it. Um, but I think it'll be, it won't be before uh, fall and possibly a little, possibly later. Well, hey, you got, a, you got a lot of time to catch up on Martha's Library. So there we go. Sure. And that's a, that's a lot of stuff to watch between now and then. That's a lot of, who knows, maybe next time, uh, you know, uh, our, our wonderful murder bot will start watching some, you know, Korean, uh, some Chinese necromancer swordsman. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, Martha, where can everybody find you if they want to keep up with you uh, social media wise? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Martha Wells, one, numeral one, because I was trying to pick a name and mine was already taken. And I just went to the first thing that came to mind instead of coming up with something clever. And now I'm stuck with it. Uh, Also, MarthaWells.com is my website. And there's a link there to my uh, Dream With journal, which I don't post on as often as I should anymore, just because I've been so busy and 
and with the pandemic, it's kind of hard to do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very hard to be in the mood to do, you know, yeah. any yeah any. It's like meh. Um, that's awesome. And we'll put uh, all of Martha's show notes and links to every, sorry, link, not her show notes. So we'll put her links to everything in the show notes so that you can, uh, check that everything out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at what's up fandom on Twitter at what's up fandom PC for podcasts. All of our episodes available on your favorite podcast streaming services. So iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google play, Spotify, Amazon music, everything we've got the video content up on youtube we also have our website animationstationpodcast.com uh we also maybe we'll do some streaming on twitch who knows i'm that's a young man's game and i'm not there anymore like that's like people they stream for like five hours and i'm like i can't i play like i play like a video game maybe like an hour and then i'm like i need to stand up now so (laughs) so i don't know it we may start streaming on there we probably will i'll have to become young again i'll just drink a bunch of red bulls or something that'll that'll be fine um i'm sure that'll be great for my health uh this episode was also sponsored by wild bill soda get yourself some delicious craft soda um from our good friends over at wild bills so they've got uh all the new flavors out right now for summer so check those out uh they've got a um blackberry well it's like it's like a blackberry it tastes like a blackberry pie it's really really good it's got like a little bit of like a cream aftertaste to it uh orange uh like an orange dream sickle that they have which is really good a strawberry phenomenal um definitely check those out you can use code fandom 10 at checkout to get 10 percent off your purchase and also want a big shout out to one out of ten who do the intro and outro for this episode they are touring again out in sunny southern california so you can catch them Uh, I think they just were in San Diego the other day for a concert. So they are touring again. Check them out. Check them out on Spotify. Again, that's one out of 10. Also in the show notes. Um, But Martha, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast. Well, thank you. I had a great time. Excellent. Well, that that checks in the mail. Uh, So uh, for What's Up Fandom, I'm Josh. And I'm Martha. There it is. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Such a world is-